Once again, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Welcome to all of you that are watching online and all that. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, okay? If, um, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. All of the verses will come up on the jumbotrons. I, I think they're all inside your, your program. Um, but if you don't own a Bible, all you have to do is go into the altar room when we're done, and man, it's just a privilege to give you a Bible. We give out lots and lots of Bibles here at Big Valley Grace, and so if you don't own a copy of the Word of God, go in there. We, we are a church that um, gives away lots of Bibles. I told you last week, we buy cases of Bibles and give them out to other churches in our community. We want to get the Word of God in people's hands, and so if you don't have a copy, you can just go in and get one. If you're watching online, you can come down to the church on, on, on Monday and pick one up. I shared with you last weekend these words from the great apostle Paul. Look at verse 15. So be careful how you live. Amen, let's go home. That's what it says. The one who created you when you were inside your mother's womb had the great apostle pin those six little words for you, for me. Hey, son, hey, daughter, be careful how you live. Be careful. You can go back to the very first human being created Adam. Don't you wish he was a little careful in how he lived? Unbelievable how when you're not careful how you live, it can sure mess up a lot of stuff. He goes on and says, don't live like fools but like those who are wise. Make, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. God says to us, don't, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't, don't do that. You have these unbelievable things called brains. <laughs> and sometimes... Sometimes I look at some of the things I do and I go, what? A cockroach would have more, more wisdom than I just had right at that moment. Don't act thoughtlessly, God says to us, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, it's when you understand this, and when you're living this out in your life, you're living carefully. God gives us a, a warning in these few verses. Tells us, as I said, to be careful how you live. Make, make the most of each day. Be, be faithful to live out what the Lord's will is for your life. I told you last week in the Greek, it literally means don't stumble or drift through life. God doesn't want his people to stumble and, and drift through life. And when you're not careful how you live, when, when you don't engage your, your mind, when, when, you, when you don't live out you know, the Lord's will for your life, you just stumble and bumble through life. Well, here's the deal. The parable that we're gonna look at today shows us what happens when we're not careful about how we live. It clearly shows us what happens when we're not faithful, when we're not careful with what God has entrusted to us. The, the story or the parable is called the parable of the talents, and the main point behind the story, the reason Jesus tells the, the story is to illustrate the importance of faithfully using all that God has entrusted you to serve him until he comes back again. So, so now take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, okay? 
That's a good sound. That's just a good sound. Don't hear that sound. Well, I, some of you on your smartphones need to put the whee, whee sound on there, so at least I hear that. Whee, whee, whee. And it's uh, you know, that fake sound you can, you can have on your, your smartphones. <laughs> All right, look at verse 14. Again, Jesus said, it will be like a man going on a journey. And the man in the story represents Jesus. And we're just going to walk through this story. Okay? This is God's word to us. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. These servants represent people that claim to know the Lord. Which I don't understand the, the story here. To one, to one of these servants, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent. Each according to his ability. Okay, it's a pretty, pretty simple story so far, right? The, the master calls his servants in and to one guy, he gives five talents. To another, you know, he, he, he hands out these talents, two talents and one talent. And then he went on a journey. He's gone. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who was given two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And this is just an interesting story, isn't it, so far? Some of you have never, never read it before, and you're going, ooh, what's, what's, what's happening? What's going on here? After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Remember, the master in the story is Jesus, and we, or true, or, or people who claim to know the Lord, are the servants. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Man, woo! The guy was given five talents. He, you know, Jesus goes away. He's gone for a long time. When he came back, man, first thing he does is says, hey, hey come here. I had five, I now got 10. And the master's just pumped. This is, this is great. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came, and there's always the, a twist in any kind of plot, right? He said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, so I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received some interest for it. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
That, by the way, was Jesus talking. That was Jesus' story. That was Jesus' parable. You know, Jesus, who's all about love. The one where, you know, most believers even, well, isn't Jesus just all about love? Well, yeah, that's one of his characteristics. He is love, no doubt about it. But that's not all he is. It's the one we all want to focus on. I get it. I understand that. But trust me when I tell you that God is way more than just simply love. And you see something in this story that I hope will um, encourage you if you claim to know him. Because it's really, really a powerful story. We've been in a series here over the last three weekends called Belong, and today I'm going to wrap it up by talking about something that's really important to your success as a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's your faithfulness to use the, the gifts or the talents or the money and the resources that God has given you in a God-honoring way. Now, now here's the, the, the weighty thought that I want you to kind of think about as I walk through this. When you make the choice to bury the talents that God has entrusted to you, it not only goofs up your life, and it does, some of you don't realize how it goofs up your life, but it also goofs up my life, and it goofs up everybody else's life who calls this their, their, their church. You see, here's the deal. Um, it messes me up. It messes others up because God gave you that talent or that resource or that gift or that money to be a blessing to others. He gave you those things that you might build up the body of Christ, and I'm, the part, uh, I'm a part of the body of Christ. And so when you make the choice to bury your talent and not use your talent that God gave you to be a blessing to me, I'm messed up. I, I miss out on something. And so does everybody else. Weren't we all blessed by these folks not burying their talents? Could you imagine if Vonda said, I know I have this unbelievable voice, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to bury it. Would God raise up somebody else? Absolutely. God's not dependent on any one of us. But because she used her gift, wow, we're all blessed. My life was enriched because she used her gift, you see. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. That's what it says. God doesn't give you the spiritual gift to bless you. He gives you the gift so that you would bless somebody else. One version puts it like this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gifts and talents that God gives his people aren't for their enjoyment, but for their, they're for the common good of everybody. Now you, I have the feeling that maybe when Vonda sings, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to hear herself sing. I, you gotta hear me in the shower. Wow, I bless myself. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it may not be a blessing to any of you. <laughs> the point is, is that God, in his word, it's crystal clear. He, he gave you a gift, a talent, an ability, whatever it is, not that somehow your own personal life is enriched. But that your brothers and sisters in the Lord's life would be enriched, would be blessed. Here's the deal. When you accept your God-given gift or gifts with humility... And then you use them the way God intended them to be used. This helps the whole church. 
which I'm a part of. So what you do with your gifts and talents and abilities and all those things is really important. Some of you don't realize it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Matthew Henry, a great theologian, put it this way. Whatever gifts, quote, whatever gifts God confers on any man, he confers them that he may do good with them. And burying your gift, your talent, whatever that might be, your abilities, and not using them, you're not doing any good. It's just, it's just it's, I, I, I lose out. Others lose out. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to be a blessing to yourself. To pump up your own life. That you would serve one another. That you would be a blessing to somebody else, some other family, whatever it might be. Your brothers and sisters in the Lord in this thing called the, 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 the church. So, so with this said, I, I want to take a, a, a closer look at this great parable. This, its message is crystal clear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, make four points. Just four. Number one, God is the owner of everything. This is the principle of ownership. Verse 14 says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his property to them. The servants didn't have a thing. It was the master who had everything. And the master says, here's my stuff. It's the master's property. It's the master who owns it all. It's the master who simply entrusts his stuff with his servants, allowing them to manage it for a period of time. Psalms chapter 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Amen. That's what the word says. Everything in it. Psalms 50 says, I, God himself says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pins for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle in a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all that is in it. The sovereign God of the universe has spoken. It's crystal clear that everything belongs to him. The mountains are his, the trees are his, the flowers, the oceans, the rivers, the whales, the eagles, spiders, the breath we breathe, the food we eat, the children we raise, the sun, the stars, the moon, the galaxies, your car, your home, your apartment, your clothes, your business, your money, you! You're his! None, none of us are here apart from God. Everything you and I own belongs to him and he just entrusts it to us. He says, hey, I'm gonna give you something. I'm gonna give you something. I just want you to manage it. But man, our flesh can get in the way and before you know it, it's, it's ours. It's mine. It's not. It's not yours. And this is a, 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 an important theological truth for all of God's people to understand. So the first principle I want you to you know, lock your mind onto is the principle of ownership. Everything belongs to God. No, number two, 
God decides who gets what. This is the principle of allocation. Verse 15, the master, it's all his stuff. He can do anything he wants to. To one, he gave five talents of money. To, to another, he gave two talents of money. And to another, he gave one, each according to his ability. And then, then he left. It was a mic drop moment. You're getting five, you're getting two, you get one, take care of it. Boom. I'm, gonna, I'm entrusting you with something that belongs to me, God says. Those five talents, those were mine. I just gave them to you. Those two, they're mine. Those one, mine. Now I'm gonna go, I'm entrusting those things to you. Now obviously the, the word talent in the story was a measurement of money, but, but I think today a, a talent is anything that God has entrusted to your care. It might be some ability, it might be some gift, it might be money, it might be some passion, it's something that God has given you. The key thought, though, is that God is the one who decides who gets what. He makes that decision. Now, there are two things you learn about the allocation of the talents. Number one, the amounts differed. God's not a socialist. <laughs> not everybody gets the same amount. Some people have more talent than others. Some people have more gifts than others. Some people have more money than others. Some people have more opportunities than other, others. Look, I didn't, get, you know, I didn't get asked whether I wanted to be born in this great country, but because I was, I have more opportunities than a lot of people you know, anywhere else on the globe. And so do you. God makes a decision. You're gonna get five. I'll give you two, I'll give you one. And the second thing we learn about allocation is this, though everybody doesn't get the same amount, everybody gets something. One guy got five, one guy got two, last guy got one. But here's the good news, everybody got something, which means there's no such thing as a no-talent person. Everybody got something in the story. You, you got something, one thing, I may not know all of you by name, I may never seen some of you, but here's what I do know, you got something from God, something. I don't know what it is. Some maybe have got more than others, but you got something. Romans chapter 12 says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. I love this verse because it basically says that we're all different, we're all unique, we've all got talents, we've all got abilities, we've all got resources, we all have life experiences that make us unique. And that's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Some of you couldn't sing to save your mother. Some of you couldn't play an instrument to save your father, but some can. Some of you couldn't stand up in front of people and preach. Some of you, we're, we're all so different. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So principle number one is that everybody, everything you have belongs to God. And principle number two is that God decides who gets what. He makes that decision. He does. Principle number three, God will hold you accountable for what he gave you. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Remember, this story, this parable, Jesus is letting us in on something. He made sure that this parable was recorded throughout all of history. The Holy Spirit brought that story back to the brain of Matthew. And Matthew, I want you to re record that story because I'm, I want that story in the scriptures so that a podunk little town called Modesto, California that has a little tiny church called Big Valley Grace, I want the people there to understand something. 
This, this happened thousands of years ago. And yet the Holy Spirit brought back to the memory of Matthew this moment when, when, when Jesus told this parable. It's a powerful moment. I guarantee you Matthew didn't have a clue what Jesus was talking about when he told the story. Eh, I'm sure him and the guys got together and went, what was that about? That was stupid. That lame, five, two, one, man. I just want to be the one with five, man. I, yeah, I, I'm worth more than, you know, you, you, you should have gotten the one. But they were clueless at that moment of what the story meant. I have no doubt that when God's Holy Spirit, you know, dropped the penny in Matthew's life and he went, oh man, all of a sudden that story now meant something way, way more to him as he wrote it, as he remembered it. God will hold us accountable for what he's, what he's given us. In other words, God expects you and I to use whatever talent it is he gives us. You see it in the story. He just didn't go away. For us, he's been gone a couple thousand years. He's been on a long journey, but he's coming back. And one of the things he's going to do is there's going to come this moment. I gave you some talents. Some got five. Some got two, some got one. Come on in, sit down. There's coming a moment. See, in our story, the master eventually came back home. He didn't stay gone forever. And one of the first things he did was he checked up on his servants. He made them give an account for what they had done with the talents that he entrusted to them. And here's the deal. The fact is that one of these days our master's gonna come back or we're gonna take our last breath and we're gonna meet him up in heaven and you and I are gonna be audited by him. Every one of us is gonna stand before God and give an account for how we use the talents and abilities and money that he entrusted to us. Paul says in Romans chapter 14, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's what the scripture says. Let that sink in for a moment. We as Christians don't have to worry about standing before God to have our sins judged because Jesus Christ has already paid for them. But we do have to stand before God and have our works judged. Someday God's gonna ask you what you did with what you were given. And I don't know about you, but that's a sobering thought to me. That someday, you know, there's going to be this moment where, you know, I'm in heaven. That, that's done deal. My sins were forgiven. I was justified by, by, by the blood of Jesus Christ. I was made righteous because of what he did. But here's this moment, just like with these, you know, three guys, the five, the two, and the one guy. Hey, hey, Rick, come on in. I gave you some talents. I gave you some abilities. Now, let's, let's have an honest discussion about how you use them. You're in heaven, and you're going to be here forever. And you're my son, and I love you. But let's have a little talk here for a moment about how you use your one life. That's just, just a, a crazy, sobering thought for me. This really... Really, really crazy. Let, let me quickly just, once again, just compare the three different guys. The first man, the one with five talents, he went away and put his money to work and he gave five more. Now, you don't have to be a financial guru to know that this was a good investment. I mean, he doubled the, the master's money. Now, the second guy, the one with two talents, he went out and gained two more. Now, once again, you don't have to be a banker to know that this guy also made a good investment. I mean, he turned two talents into four. That, that's 100% return on investment. Now, the third guy, the one who got one talent, he went off and dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. In other words, he buried it. He did nothing with it. He wasn't faithful with what God had given him. He was cautious. He was conservative. He thought to himself, I'll play it safe. I mean, I don't want to lose it. 
I don't want to speculate. I'll just bury it in the ground. He, he's already got all of his excuses as to why he's not going to be a blessing to anybody else. Why he's not going to fulfill what the scriptures would teach in a modern day 21st century context. Now, what was the master's reaction to this burial? Well, once again, look at verse 26. His master said, you wicked, lazy servant. Man, I'd say he's upset. Master's ticked. He should have at least put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I'd receive it back with a little bit of interest. Basically, the master said, you, 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 you know, the least you could have done was open up a passbook account. You, you should have put it in the bank, but you buried it. You did nothing with it. And this upsets me. You didn't even try. You did nothing. And I hate people who do nothing. That's basically what he was saying here. I don't even want you in my house. I made an investment in your life when I went to the cross. I redeemed your life. I put the Holy Spirit in you. I gave you my word. I gave you a church. And then you did nothing basically with it. This is the, the sin of inactivity. I think you could say. Our brother James put it this way. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and he doesn't do it, he sins. Sin. Now you can justify it any way you want. Listen, when God gives you a talent or an ability or money and you bury it, or in other words, you choose not to do anything with it, that's bad, Christian. Listen, it's very bad. Doing nothing with your talent is absolutely inexcusable, which is the point of the story. God is telling you that you cannot please him when you do nothing as it relates to your brothers and sisters in the Lord, the church family, your church family, the gifts he gave you to be a blessing to others. Now, do you know why some people bury their talents? you know why some people never use what God entrusted to them? It says it right here, one word, fear. Look at verse 25. I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear is one of the greatest things that keeps you from developing your talents. It's Satan's favorite tactic. He'll give you all kinds of reasons, and I've heard them all in my 30 plus years here, is why people don't serve, why they don't use their gifts and talents and abilities here in the church. And they really believe them. They've really, they've really convinced themselves that, you know what, th this, is, this is just the better thing than doing what the scriptures clearly teach. There are three, basically three kinds of fear that always prevent you from becoming all that God wants you to be. And the first one's self-doubt. I could never do that. I mean, I'm not qualified. God, you're gonna have to get somebody else to do it. In other words, this is the fear of failure. I won't try anything because, you know, what if I blow it? And what if I make a mistake? You know, what, what if I look stupid, you know? <laughs> Let me just tell you, I got a whole file of just blunders that I've done. Just blunders. Just things I go, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. That was so, that was so stupid. What was I thinking? Nobody came. Nobody was interested. Put all this time and energy into an event when I was a youth guy or something, and you know nobody came. And as I was thinking back over some of these things, I had this sense, and I don't know whether it was of the Lord or not, but I had this sense that there were times when God knew nothing was going to happen, that no kid was going to show up. That wasn't the point. He just wanted to know, will you do it? Or does it always have to be something fantastic? So you feel good. Or will you just do something because I asked you to do it? And I was thinking back over things where I'd go, man, I don't know, that's, that's going to be lame. No kid's going to come to that. That's just going to be stupid. I'd have my own team telling me, 
No, that's dumb. Don't do that. Are you kidding me? That's the worst night of the week to do something like that. I know, but I've prayed and I've thought of it. I just think it's, it's what I'm supposed to do. And they were all right. Stupid day, not right, no one came. But God's going, thank you. You were just faithful. You were faithful. And we in America, let me tell you what we do. There's faithfulness and there's fruitfulness. And guess what one we in America look to? Fruitfulness. Let me tell you something. If Noah was alive today, he, could, he wouldn't be able to find one church that would support his ministry. You've been preaching the gospel for 150 years, pal, and you don't have any converts? Well, I'm not investing in your ministry because you're not fruitful. Was he faithful? <laughs> 150 years? Are you kidding me? And it could be that God just calls you to do something just to see, will you? And by the way, there are many illustrations, especially in our Old Testament of God saying, hey, Abraham, will you just take your son Isaac up and I want you to sacrifice him. <laughs> you, you talking to me? My son? Uh-huh. Okay. And he just, he just wants to see. You gonna be faithful? It's crazy, isn't it? Crazy, Abraham, isn't it? Yeah, this is like really crazy. I know it is. You gonna do it? Well, you told me to do it. That's right, I did. I told you to do it. Now do it! Stop! Number two, self-pity. I failed in the past, so I'm never gonna try that again. I made a mistake, you know. I, I, I had a little group of teenagers, you know, and I was talking to with them, and I told them my testimony. It was stupid. They didn't like it. I ain't doing that again. I did, I did a seminar one time, you know, and I dropped my notes, and everything was out of order, and it was all a mess. And, oh, man, I was, everybody made fun of me. And then they did the, you know, evaluation of the seminar, you know, and they told me my, you know, my thing was the lamest. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Number three, self-consciousness. What will other people think about me? I mean, I want to look good to everybody. What, what if I get up there and share my testimony and I'm, I'm just stupid? Let me tell you something. I actually have on my computer a, a, a couple of files so I have all the messages. This one will go into a message and is under belong, the first series of you know, 2017. I got that file. So everything I've reached, it's all right there. Then I have another file that I, I, I can put a message in that uh, says, man, wow, that's a keeper. If I ever go to another church or I'm gonna preach somewhere else, this is one I gotta go back on because this, for whatever reason, I really, you know, I got into that one. That one was fantastic, you know. And then I, then I got the, man, it was kind of so-so. I think if I had a chance to maybe redo it again, because every, every week you're just redoing something. It's not like I got a month to come up with something. I, it's, it's every week. Boom, guess what, man? Boom, it's a boom, boom. And that next, next weekend's coming. It's coming. And then I got one where it's like, wow. I bored myself. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm literally, I'm in the message and I'm going, they're, the, the, they're still here. That's weird. You know, I would have left an hour ago and I've only been talking 15 minutes, you know. <laughs> and let me just tell you, be straight up with you. I'll get home and, you know, I'm, I'm human and I'll be bummed out for, you got to have thick skin to do this. And so there, but there's always, you know, an hour or two or, you know, a couple of hours I'll get home and, oh man, that was, that was crummy. I don't even know what I was thinking, man. 
that was horrible. What was that? How did I, oh, how, that story, that verse, that didn't work. What was I thinking? Those six points, I should have made it two. You know, I just got all these thoughts. And then, no, no joke, it's usually those messages where all of a sudden I'm getting my email box, bing, 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 and people are going, hey, I just want you to know, man, tonight just blew my mind. That was unbelievable. And I'm, I'm thinking, what, did you go to First B? Were you, were you, were you at Manasseh Covenant tonight? No, you know, what did he, what did he preach on over there? It's like, and, and, and once again, the Lord reminds me, my son, it's not you. Thanks for being faithful. Yeah, you screwed the message up, no doubt. But my, when the words left your mouth, by the time, you know, got to the people's ears, the Holy Spirit did something with it. I, I, fi I, I fixed it. I fixed it for you. Because I got the feeling the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit at times just go, what? How? Is that, that what, what did he just say? You've got to be kidding me. That's the best he could come up with with all the computers and the technology and the Bible. And Man, the moment you start worrying about what other people think, you're just in trouble. In fact, you're doomed. You're just doomed. The Bible says the fear of man will prove to be a snare. And number four, God will reward you based on your faithfulness. Verse 23, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Verse 28, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Have you ever wondered why some people are blessed by God with more and more spiritual responsibility than others? Ever wondered? Let me tell you why. It's because <laughs> they got more and more responsibility because they, they, they did more. They just did more. It's kind of a business thing too, if you, if you own a business, right? They got some employee busting their hump, doing good stuff, you, you, you reward them. If you got some employees not doing anything in your world, you may fire them. Say, I'm done with you. Uh, that's the same thing with, with the Lord. Luke chapter 16, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. With much. Here's the deal. Let me. There were three things he talks about as it relates to you know what these rewards are, and the first one's the reward of affirmation. The master replied, "Well done, good and faithful servant. Good job, Rick. I want to hear that someday. That's just that's just me. I want to walk into the boss's office and I want to hear him say, "Good job, Rick. Well done. Woo." I gotta believe that any Christian wants to hear that. Don't you? Don't you wanna, don't you wanna hear that? And by the way, whether you have five talents or, or two talents, it's not the amount of talents. They both heard the same thing. Number two, there's the, the reward of promotion. Well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 23 says, it goes on and says, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm gonna put you in charge of more. Anybody here in your just regular secular job not like a promotion? We all want promotions, don't we? So God's gonna say, you know, good job, and then he promotes you. He gives you more. And then the last one is the reward of celebration. The last little line of verse 23. Come and share your master's happiness. Let's party. Let's celebrate. Look, when you use your gifts and talents and money for the kingdom's sake, it makes the Lord happy. Let me just tell you something. When you know you're making the Lord happy, follow this, you'll be happy. It'll do something to you. When you're using your gifts and your talents and all of that kind of stuff. Now here's, here's what I want to do. Last week, I encouraged you, if you're not a, a member of this church, that's the first place you start to belong. In fact, I don't know if we have our website, but, but why don't, if we do, why don't we just go ahead and put it up there. There's a, there's a button that says, if you want to belong, here's where you go. You press this, this button. 
Nah, it's not that. Uh, maybe I didn't send it to you guys. It's, uh, it's the, uh, the website stuff. But anyway, you can, you, you can go on your smartphone and there's a button that says, I want to belong. You click onto it and the first one's membership. And it was unbelievable how many people signed up for membership last week. And I'm looking forward to being with you on the first Saturday of February. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. But the second button is the button on serving. And I think part of belonging is you're using your gifts and your talents here. And there are lots of places. Uh, one of our elders who was up here, you know what he used to do with his family? Because some people go, man, I, I'd like, is there something I can do with my family? And yeah, he would have his whole family out in the parking lot. And so him and his wife and their kids, and they'd all have on their vest, and they're all, they'd be out in the parking lot making sure that the bad guys, the evil guys, weren't busting into cars and stealing stuff. But they were doing more than that. They knew that the service was going on. And so they would pray. They would spend time as a family just praying in the parking lot. But they weren't done yet. This was their church. So obviously they were gonna serve somewhere here. They're in the parking lot. They were praying for the church, but then as people would come in, they'd be parking their cars, they would say, man, Lord, is there one family? I think they did this once a month where they would find a family that they didn't know, or maybe somebody that looked new, or maybe somebody just looked like they were having a bad day, and they would say, hey, I was wondering if today after church, if we could, our, my family could take your family to lunch. And then they would meet a whole family. And they'd go to, you know, La Mernita's or wherever, and here they were. So, so their serving wasn't just, hey, I'm making sure your car isn't broken into. But they were praying, and then they, they, they added all these layers to it because they understood that serving was so important. But you know what? It doesn't have to be you and your whole family serving. Sometimes you'll see couples that are serving together in the worship department. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you'll see a, a gal or a guy serving in the worship department and maybe their husband's a, a greeter or an usher. We have a lot of couples who are greeters and ushers at the doors. Could be you work out in the cafe or you work in the, in the, uh, uh, the resource center, the information center. There are lots of places here at Big Valley Grace where you can get involved and your help is needed. Now you can sit in here and go, well, you, you guys just do everything so well. Yeah, we do. You know why? Because he's worth it. But I can guarantee you there are people doing double duty. And the reason why they gotta do double duty is because maybe some of you have your stuff buried. Your talent is buried. And so we got guys serving in men's ministry and they gotta come back and they gotta serve somewhere else and they're doing other, and we got people in women's ministries who are doing something in women and they have to come back to enter and do something because he's worthy. They understand the biblical mandate that we have to use our gifts and talents. We got some people, you know what, they're, they're holding babies all four hours. They don't ever get in here. They're holding someone's baby at Saturday night. They're holding someone's baby at nine. And they'll hold someone's baby at 11 so people can come in here and worship. But they can't get in here because somebody has their talent buried, you see? But you never know because I don't get up here and say, you know, Mrs. Johnson's been in there holding babies all weekend. I don't do that because she would never want that. And so, you know what, we do our best to keep this thing running for his glory. Praying and hoping that maybe the Holy Spirit works in some of your lives. And this is a church that has way more percentage of its membership serving than, than, than you pick a church. But there are still some of you where you got it buried, and I hope that the Holy Spirit would go, okay, what can we do? Because here's the deal. Mom, dad, the Bible says train up your children in the way that they're to go. You're training your children up. 
You're training them. And they're going to grow up and say, you know what, my dad or my mom, they didn't serve, and so they don't serve. See, it's just a generational thing. Your kids need to see you using your gifts and talents and abilities. Maybe you're a grandma or grandpa. Maybe you're a, um, uh, a guardian or something. But your kids are watching you. And no doubt about it, you need to love your family and all those kinds of things. But you have a church family too, and God gave you gifts and talents and abilities that you would serve your church family. And my point isn't to make anybody feel guilty. That's not the point. If the Holy Spirit does that, then the Holy Spirit does it. Just own it. And say, what, what, what am I supposed to do? And it doesn't have to be every week, but find a place. Find somewhere. And say, you know what, okay, here, here's the deal. I can do this. I can do that. Count me in. I want to do this. I want to be in women's ministries. I want to be in men's ministries. I want to volunteer down at CR. I want to be in the band. I, I, gotta, I can sing. I can do that. I can play guitar. I can mentor some kids. I can stand at a door. You know, sometimes you, some of you walk in here and you notice there isn't anybody at the door. Maybe the, maybe the person who was going to serve that night got sick. And we just don't have enough backups. And there's no one there greeting. No one there saying, thank, hey, man, thank you for coming to my, uh, my church. Man, I hope you have a great time. Here's a program. Okay, yeah, find a seat. One of the great things, you want your 2017 to be epic. <laughs> Go to the serve button, click on, and just do something. Start working with kids and go, man, this is no good. I'm no good at this. Okay, then get out of there and go into the choir. I'm no good at this. Get, get out of there and go. You'll find a place. Or you could take the shape class, which is the first Saturday of every month. And you'll take that class. you find out a lot of different places where you can serve. Just stand. Let me pray. Okay. Wow. Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. And, man, I'm, I'm grateful that we could bring... Scott and Vonda here to equip our singers to sing. You tell us in your word that we are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I'm glad that we had a moment where workshop where we are equipping our singers to sing. And they were a blessing to us tonight. I'm thankful, God, for your word. May it go out and have its intended uh, uh, results in people's hearts, God. And I pray this in your name, Jesus, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Christ.